Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. If you were a SpeedShift TV subscriber or are locked into streaming coverage on Flow Racing, you've no doubt seen Haley Shanley's work. She was famous for her help videos at SpeedShift and has done all sorts of on-camera work, including pit reporting for this year's Governor's Reign at Eldora. Outside of dirt racing, she does work for motocross, snowcross, and off-road racing as well. She joins the show this time to talk about her introduction to dirt racing, the early days of speed shift, getting on-camera opportunities, and a lot more. But before we get to Haley, this episode is brought to you by Blood Lubricants. Have you checked out Blood yet? If you're riding in your car or work today listening to me and thinking, I'm not a dirt racer, why do I care about racing oil? Let me stop you. Besides our high-quality synthetic racing oils, Blood has all kinds of other products. Yes, racers should check them out because you can basically have all of your needs covered by one stop and we've talked a bunch about all their race wins in 2020. But non-racers will find all sorts of great products as well. If you need oil for your side-by-side, Blood has it. If you need high-quality ATF for your car or truck, Blood has it. If you need penetrating lube or some cleaning products for your garage, check out Blood. If you'd like to see the full line of Blood products, visit bloodlubricants.com. That's B-L-U-D lubricants.com. You can also click the banners at the top of the pages at dirttracker.com. And when you're ready to buy, Blood is offering Dirt Tracker listeners a nice little discount. To get 25% off most products, Use code DIRT at checkout. That's D-I-R-T, all caps, at checkout. Now, let's get to my conversation with Haley Shanley. Haley, you're one of those names and, and one of those faces. I feel like we've started to see more and more and more in, in recent years. And and for me, like my own kind of you know recognition of you first started like doing speed shift stuff, but obviously you've been around doing things for longer longer than that. But for those maybe don't know who you are, kind of give us a rundown on, on all of the things that you do do in terms of, you know, the flow racing stuff and, and snow cross and like give us an idea of all of the stuff you have going on. Yeah, so, so strap in. I am all over the place. Um, so <laughs> kind of my, my main, my full-time job is with Flow Sports. And uh, if, you're, if you follow Dirt Track Racing, you know that I come from SpeedShift TV, which was acquired by Flow Racing back in June of this year. So that's the full-time gig. Um, my, my job title is a senior producer. So I work on the content team developing video and editorial content for not just the website, but for you know the app and the broadcast as well. Um, but outside of that, I am also an on-air personality, a TV host, and podcaster. So um, the different projects that I work on within those realms, I work in uh, with Amsoil Championship Snowgrass, Championship Off-Road, and um, I've done everything from pro watercross to ice oval. Um, I even do a one-off event up in Canada called Grand Prix Ski du de Valcourt. So I'm kind of all over the place in terms of uh, motorsports and, and action sports in general. What's uh, I, I guess when the season's going on, what's like, what's a typical day week look like for you? I mean, are you, do you work from home most of the time? Are you traveling a lot? Like, you know, what does that look like? I travel a lot. So I, I would say it's very rare that I get to have a full five days home during the week. So I, I kind of split my time between Indianapolis. That's, that's home right now, but I'm originally from Minneapolis up in Minnesota. So I spend a lot of time there, especially in the winter, just working on different projects with uh, Snowcross, which is also owned by the same company as Champ Off-Road. So it brings me up there quite a bit. Um, but the, the average week, let's say in, in the winter time, um, I'll start there. It's I've traveled pretty much on the weekend. So I will go to an event on, I'll leave usually like on a, a Thursday, if the events Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, that'll put me home Sunday or Monday. Um, you know, home for a few days, just grinding at the office, try to take a little bit of time for myself. Um, but it's never really a full, like 
weekend, like two days off, like, you know, typical nine to five. Um, and then just do it all again the next weekend. Now, once dirt season hits, once dirt track racing really fires up pretty much in the Midwest and everywhere else in the country, aside from the, the Southwest and West coast, um, it's a little more, my schedule is a little crazier because we'll start to get more midweek racing. So I'll be gone on, on a weekend and occasionally I'll be gone for 14 to 21 days at a time, just hotel to hotel, living out of a suitcase, trying to get laundry done if, if at all possible. So, um, things kind of slow down a little bit for me come end of September, like this year, this was actually a big rarity and it, it wasn't even really because of the pandemic or however it worked out, but, um, I have never had an off season before. Um, but I'm going to call this an off season cause I wasn't traveling to events. So after the, uh, there was governor's rain. And then two days later, I went to Crandon off-road for um, the season finale for Champ Off-Road. And after that, I have not been to a, a race on the working side. Um, I think I have as a fan, um, but on the working side since then, and I don't have plans to until January when Snowcross starts up again. So it's been nice to enjoy the downtime in the office, but it's just a, it's a full, full year-long grind. I, I was reading the thing that you wrote for Flo about like trying to get dirt fans like into motocross and you kind of mentioned in there about like not really knowing what dirt racing was and, and kind of until much later. And, and I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm kind of similar in that vein. Like I, I certainly knew what dirt racing was as a kid, but like didn't really get into it until much later. And, and, you know, for me, like my real heavy involvement didn't happen until I started working for the outlaws in 2013. But I know you kind of have a similar story. And, and my favorite thing in there was, was that you didn't really know what it was. And you guys went to some guy named Delansky's house and, and was like doing motocross stuff there. So I, I want to hear that story and, and how you kind of got introduced to dirt racing. Yeah, I'm excited to tell it. Um, so uh, back like growing up where I grew up, um, I say Minneapolis because that's like the closest hub, but it's kind of on the edge of Minneapolis slash central Minnesota. And where I'm from, like, you know, there's there's a sprint car scene. Like the Heskins are actually from the same hometown as me. And I didn't know that until I was out of high school. Um, and, you know, Tornado Tori, she lives in that area, but it's just not a big hub for sprint car racing and, and dirt racing in general, right? So um, I grew up on uh, with with dirt bikes and a lot of my friends who rode dirt bikes with me, they would go race snowmobiles in the wintertime with uh, the National Snowcross Series or even the Regional Series. So I was just exposed to snowcross at a very early age. So snow and moto is, is definitely my background. And it wasn't until I was a, what was it? My, my sophomore year of college. At the time I was going to St. Cloud State and I picked up an internship with my home snowcross track. Um, there was a company that came in who was streaming their snowcross races and me going to school for broadcast. I'm like, perfect. So I would run the camera for them. And this company actually specialized in dirt track racing. Snowbills were just kind of what they were dabbling in on the side. So a few weeks into that, they were like, come along to a, a dirt track race, which I didn't realize what it was at the time. It was the 2012 Tulsa shootout. So that was my first exposure to dirt track racing. And, and like you had mentioned in an article, coming from a form of racing where it's high flying, it's jumps, it's, um, you know, outside of a cage. It was so different for me. I'm like, they're going in, in circles. Like it seems pretty simplistic. I don't know what to look for. I didn't have the instant appreciation for it. So that was difficult. Um, but you know, I, I got through the event. It was a grueling one. That's a, that's a long couple days. Um, but yeah, just, I stuck with the company for a while and that was, um, kind of my first exposure to dirt track. I worked a lot in modifieds that year, 
modified racing is awesome. Um, and then eventually just started to work more on the, uh, segued into non-wing sprint cars and midgets. And then, um, along the way too, also worked heavily on the wing sprints car side. But yeah, like you said, I, that wasn't really until 2012 that I was exposed to a oval dirt track racing. How long, you know, I'm guessing with the motocross stuff and the snowcross stuff and, and you know, you have a, a good knowledge base, obviously, of, of what's going on and, and how all those things work. How long did it kind of take you once you first started kind of going to dirt races to really feel like you grasped what was going on with formats and drivers and car types and all that stuff? I think by the end of the year, so that same year would have been by the end of 2013, I had a really good grasp on the format, what this is. I still had very much to learn about the machines themselves and whatnot, but I had a good grasp on the culture, the who's who, the, you know, what are the big races, where's the star power in it. Um, So it, it really took me until then, but then that's when it kind of hit me about a year after that first Tulsa shootout is like, there is so much more to dirt racing than just the, the micros or the modifieds. And it just, uh, you know, it really expanded my horizons to be like, whoa, there's not just different forms of dirt track racing, but they are so vastly different, like culturally, like fan base wise, like everything it's, and that's what makes it so fascinating is it's all these different sports. Um, so it's, it's, at times it can be really hard to group them all under more on one realm. You know, the thing that they share might be the, the shape of the surface that they run on. Um, so it, it definitely took me at least a year just to, you know, kind of get my bearings and, and realize that there's so much more to explore. When you are, you know, you mentioned kind of going to college for, for journalism or for, for broadcast. Did you have thoughts then that you wanted to do, you know, broadcast in sports, do pay reporting, do all of those things where, you know, were you thinking more news? Like, you know, what, what were your ton of thoughts back then? Absolutely. So like growing up, I was always watching Monster Energy Supercross or Lucas Oil Outdoor Motocross. And I always wanted to be like um, Jamie Little and Aaron Bates. I thought they were just, and they are just badass women. Um, so I would, when I, when I'd be watching a race, I would find myself paying more attention to what's happening on the production side and kind of asking myself like, what are these broadcasters like why are they making the decisions they do why are they talking about this thing and just kind of the whole run of show and that had always fascinated me so I was very lucky in high school actually when I was a junior they built a whole brand new high school and we had this professional broadcast studio so there's broadcast journalism classes I took them and it clicked and that's when I knew like okay I can see myself in this field and knew that's what I wanted to do as a kid I was daydreaming about it but I'm like okay this is what it's going to be. So um, went to school for it, originally started on the path of broadcast journalism and how it actually worked out credit-wise, um, almost identical to the degree, degree, but I ended up graduating with a public relations degree. Um, but uh, yeah, I very much, um, very much knew it's what I wanted to do. And college was hard for me. I wasn't like not a super book smart person, like studying. It's just funny now because I study all the time for my job. But um, back then, like to get me to crack open a a biochem textbook, like that was painful. So (laughs) college was, was very hard for me, but it was always like in the back of my mind, like, okay, get through this, like do whatever you got to do to to pass these classes because you're not going to get to your destination without it. Um, You know, you just need to you just need to get through it and just keep focused on that end goal of working in broadcast one day and working in motorsports. Do you remember first opportunity opportunities to be on the mic, to be on camera? Like, you know, were you comfortable right away? Were you super nervous? Like, you know, what, what do you remember from those first early opportunities? 
I was super, I, I was super confident rolling into it. I knew I wasn't like, you know, the best of the best, obviously. But the thing about working on camera is it takes so long for someone to take a chance on you and to hand you a mic. So, um, and I think the industry is changing a little bit now. You kind of are in a position to create your own opportunities, your own platforms. And that's just the way the world of digital media has gone. But um, for me, it was, a, I, I had graduated college. I've been out of college for a number of years and I was working with Amazon Championship Snowcross. I ran their social media accounts. And um, Kate Osborne was our CBS reporter at the time. It was a good friend of mine. And um, myself and one of our producers, Ted Anderson, were like waiting outside the trailer for Kate to go to the pits and start doing our interviews, to which I'd tang along and um, kind of give her some pointers like, hey, so-and-so, um, they're leading whole shots, or this is kind of the history behind this team. So I'd just kind of take along, throw some two cents in there. And she's changing, and she kind of asked me to hold her mic and notebook. And she goes, hey, would you mind holding this for a sec? I'm like, sure. So she's changing. I turned to Ted. I'm like, this is kind of surreal. I'm holding this mic. Um, I've always wanted to do this. And he had no idea. He goes, well, how would you feel about doing some interviews? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, you're always joking with me. You're always trying to pull a fast one on me. That ain't funny. And uh, he's like, no, seriously, we um, it wouldn't be for CBS, obviously, but we use um, like filler content for interviews for the live stream throughout the day with amateur racing. So I'm like, hell yeah, buddy, like let's do this. So Kate did her thing. I got to knock out a few interviews and our, um, my boss, Carl Shabitsky, who runs Amazon championship Snowcross, he saw it on the stream that day and he's just like, <laughs> like you're, you're pretty good. Let's, uh, let's do some more of that. So I started doing some more standups and, and whatnot. They were impressed and I've learned a lot since then. Like, I don't want to go back and watch those interviews that I did, but I was confident at the time. Um, and that would have been 2000 and very big. It was like January, 2018. So things have snowballed exponentially since then. Like I said, it took forever for someone to take a chance and it was kind of a funny way how it all happened. But once I did get that very small opportunity. It has just grown so much beyond um, Snowcross. So that's been it's been very rewarding. I feel like I'm I'm getting to like I I am where I want to be. I'm very very happy at this point in my career. Always want to be better. Always want to keep climbing. But um, you know this is this has always been the dream. I feel like in in knowing some of the media people that I know, and and you, you know you look at the the Dave Reefs of the world and the Bobby Geralds and some of these guys that do a lot of the dirt racing stuff, that like everybody kind of has like they're like you right, like they have like a million things going on. They're like they do a little bit over here, they do a little bit over there, and like is that like just kind of a a a symptom of media where it's like you know you maybe don't make enough money one place, so you kind of have to do a whole bunch of different stuff, or is it more like you just want to do all of those things and you just have the free time to do them? Um, I think it's, I think it's a little bit different for everyone. So for me, and this was part of my game plan long ago, like back before I was even going to college. Um, so I'll, I'll start back there. I knew that I didn't just want to be someone who can speak on camera. I wanted to be so well-rounded that no potential employer could say no to me. And that's a lofty goal, but um, to go that route, I wanted to know everything about production. I wanted to know everything about um, how to write a press release to photo, video, like all sides of the media. Um, so, and I think that that's probably pretty common with on-air personalities because you want to be very well-rounded and in today's world, even if it's like local, um, local news, your on-air personalities, they need to be able to shoot, edit, write, export, like all these things. So I, I think it just comes from an angle of like, you want to make yourself, um, 
you want to have more skills than just being able to, to speak on camera, just to sell, try and set yourself apart from the competition. In talking, you know, before, obviously, I knew you from SpeedShift and, and you know, SpeedShift Haley is, is you know, it's, it's your Twitter handle. It's like, I'm sure what a lot of people know you for, but mm-hmm. tell me about getting involved in SpeedShift and, and what you did there and, and what your time was like there. Yeah, it was, it was great. Like SpeedShift, um, it started in 2014. Um, so at the time I was going to school and um, Chuck Christner um, and my husband, Darren, they, and another partner, they had started it up. And it was, uh, you know, we were all actually working together at another company, that same company who um, I started with was Snowcross and did the Tulsa shootout with. And um, basically the person in charge was just a very unsavory individual. And it just like it exploded in not a good way. So we all um, left and they started up speed shift. Now it's kind of like, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, but the company didn't have the, you know, the, basically the bankroll at the time to support, um, an employee, another employee, that would be me. But I'm like, whatever you need, I'm, I want to help you with, because I'm also in college. I don't need full time. Like I'm just gonna, I'm going to be there. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it was pretty small when it first started. Like we started out in, in modified racing, um, just any local shows we could pick up and just with our connections between, um, Darren and, and Chet and our partner, it just, uh, that's how it snowballed. And I think our big catalyst for growth was when we picked up the national sprint league in 2015. And that's when people actually took notice of speed shift. It gave us that legitimacy factor and really helped us grow. It really forced us to establish ourselves and pick up our game. So that was actually kind of my, uh, my first intro to winged 410 sprint car racing. Um, so, you know, we just, it, we continued to grow after that. We gained traction. We picked up some events with the All-Stars, with USAC, and just uh, just kept growing and growing. And we still remained a relatively small team. You know, as big as SpeedShift got before selling to Flow, we only had about six full-time employees. Um, and we had a network of hundreds of, of contractors that would work our production. So it was really, really cool to be part of that growth. And being a small company, each of us wore so many different hats. So like um, Chet, for example, he's an absolute Swiss army knife. He's an announcer. He's a producer. He can um, do anything in regards to the broadcast. He does public relations. He's helped getting contracts signed for events. And that was the same story for all of us. You know, we got to do so many things and it was just never a dull moment. So, and I'll say that's a transition going over to Flow, which is a much bigger company. You have a team dedicated to marketing. So we don't have to have our hands in as many things. And it's cool to have influence there. But um, yeah, just back to speed shift though. It was, it was really, really satisfying to be able to grow the brand and grow exposure for our events because as dirt fans like we know the value of these events we know how awesome there are um but speed shift to us was a platform to show the world that and how can we like how can we grow this on an international level and attract more fans and drivers to check out these events so it was rewarding I'm curious about kind of those early days and, and I feel like Chet probably still does this, but I, I remember like seeing pictures of Chet with his like little camp trailer, like stop to get gas somewhere or whatever. But like, what, what, what are those kind of early days of speed shift look like in terms of production? Like, I mean, obviously you didn't have some big production trailer taking cameras and stuff everywhere. So what did you have? <laughs> we had very little. So um, it was just all, we call it the one camera or the one man jamboree. So when it first started out, like Chad, if he wasn't announcing, he would be on a camera. We had a small device hooked up to it that was hooked up to a hotspot that would actually push the broadcast. And 
that person running the camera would also have a soundboard next to them and they'd, they'd control the audio too. So it was all in their hands. And there were even cases where I, um, a big thing that I did early on was do all the customer service myself before we developed a customer service team. So if I wasn't available, that person would be responding to emails on our help desk on the app on their phone. So um, that was some of the early days. And it was about a year into it. Um, it would have been the Beatrice Spring Nationals. That's when we decided to step up our game and get a switcher so we could implement graphics and multiple cameras. Um, so we had this little, I don't even remember, it was, black, it was a black magic system uh, in this crate that we'd bring along and we'd just set up in the grandstands and produce from there. Um, there was no room in the uh, announcing towers at a lot of tracks and there still isn't, um, which led us to getting the, the camper with Chet and production trailers. Um, but at the time, didn't matter if it was 10 degrees or 110 degrees, we'd have a producer in the stands for select events, just doing the thing out there. So it definitely got a lot more comfortable by the time we had, uh, by the time 2020 rolled around, that's for sure. Through all of this and, and, you know, obviously you guys are trying to grow this and, and you're doing customer service and all of this. How do you find time as you're doing all of this stuff to then still be able to get, you know, on the mic in front of a camera to try to, you know, grow that part of, of, you know, the, the personal brand of, of yourself and, you know, as that's going on. So it was just kind of an acceptance of just knowing that you're not going to have a normal schedule like my my parents had. I don't come from a racing family, so I'm not I'm not going to have at least for the foreseeable future a regular nine to five five days a week. I have the weekends to work on my personal brand or go pick up a hobby, whatever that is outside of racing. Um, so it was just the acceptance of that. And when you love something so much, you love your work. It's it's not a task. It's you know you're you're doing it because you're passionate about it and it's fun. So it's just seven days a week. Um, I, I kind of struggle with insomnia from time to time. So I'll be at work until um, 3 a.m. And that's not, a, that's not a rarity for anyone from the speed shift team that went over to flow. Uh, so it was just a, just a constant grind keeping at it. Um, obviously, there's sometimes you do just have to step away from work for a little bit for your sanity, but um, just, uh, just staying consistent with it. And I knew my career goal was, like I said, always to to work on camera, um, specifically at the time, and it still is, um, but to work with motocross and supercross on camera, dirt racing in general. And I knew to do that, I just needed to stay focused on my personal branding, my personal networking, um, all that good stuff. So it was just kind of like it was through college. It was just always at the back of my mind that I need to stay consistent with this if I want to be able to do this beyond speed shift. And luckily, um, kind of the latter years of speed shift, there started to be more of an opportunity for my on-camera work and podcasting within speed shift. But um, I've just always been open to opportunities without it because like, I think diversification and not just the uh, the forms of dirt track racing that I can work in and educate myself in, just motorsports in general. Um, just being able to learn them and add them to my resume, it can, it can only help me be better in each of their respective sports. So diversifying is also how I think I've really helped grow my personal brand and build connections. How often were you, when you were at SpeedShift, were you able to get on camera and do things? I, you know, I know you just said you did it more kind of later on, but you know, were there those opportunities there to do that when, when you were there? Yeah, there was. Um, and as far as the events, as far as pit reporting goes, it really didn't happen until about 2000 and 
2017 or 2018, roughly. Um, but up in t- and that was actually kind of when I started on camera too with with the Snowcross deal, that story I was telling you about. Um, but before then, I just kind of hop hop on camera like I. Um, I'd hopped on and everyone knows the, you know, how to clear your browsing history video, like uh, any customer service, like public service announcement kind of things. Like I know how to shoot and edit. So I just do that. And any, any kind of key messaging that SpeedShift needed to get out, um, you know, Chet's always loved announcing, but he doesn't always love being on camera. So that's why I'm like, I don't mind. I'll do it. So um, I just put out some marketing and, and content type pieces. But yeah, it wasn't until about 2017 or 18 that I started to uh, make my way into doing events. And that was just kind of through relationships with these tracks that we work with. I'd, I'd be able to, I'd have a little bit of an advantage there. I'd see like, oh, you have this great event going on. Like, I see you don't have a pit reporter. Like how, how would you feel about me coming out and and helping out and any like sponsor promotions you need any fan engagement? Like I would love to help you. Um, so that's kind of how I built connections there and got my name out was just through our partner connections at speed shift. Being the like badass that you are with, with, you know, jumping on, on a motorcycle and going and doing crazy jumps and racing and all that stuff. Have there been opportunities for you to like actually get in a, you know, a midget or a sprint car modified or something through the years? Oh, um, I've, I've ridden in a two seater modified, but that doesn't count. I haven't, no, I, ha- I haven't had an opportunity to drive one. Would you do a midget? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think though, like it is the same thing. Like when it comes to like riding other people's dirt bikes too, like I am more concerned about their equipment than my safety. So like, I'm just like, I'll be putt putting around just it, it, as to not like scratch a fender or something stupid. So I would absolutely love to, I, I will say, um, I did sit in a micro, um, once upon a time, this was that, that same first summer we did an event called micro mayhem. It was garden city, Kansas. I I can't remember Kansas or Oklahoma, somewhere around there. Um, and I did sit in someone's micro and they let me like start it. Um, and it was like, like, Ooh, this is a rush. So (laughs) yeah, given, given the opportunity, hell yeah, dude, I would be all about it. Doesn't matter if it's a sprint car midget, like please. <laughs> I love it. Um, tell me about the transition to flow. I know, you know, that's kind of been a, 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 a lot of work for, for you guys trying to make everything kind of happen and mix together and, and look the same and, and all of that. But how has that transition been? And, and, you know, you said before, like, you know, flow being a bigger company, speed shift being smaller, what are those kind of differences of things between the two organizations? Yeah. So, um, I'm really proud of how far flow has come. Like flow has been established in other sports, like flow wrestling's the biggest one, but there's basketball, hockey, um, all these other verticals and, you know, flow racing and flow sports had actually been pursuing speed shift to be bought for years. This dates back to like 2015 or 2016 at the time. Um, we're just all thinking like, I don't know if they have a vested like interest in racing. They don't seem like racing people. Um, but they have like over the years, they've acquired racing people and there has been people within the company actually just got done with a a three hour meeting. People who have come from other verticals within the company over to racing because they have, they've learned what it's all about. They are super passionate about it now. And they are just the biggest race geeks along with the best of us who have been around this for a very long time. So I think that flow has come a very, very long ways and really established themselves as one of the leaders here. And that was what really attracted speed shift to sell to them. So I think kind of the catalyst in speed shift ultimately pulling the trigger to go over to flow was our good friend, Michael Rigsby and dirt on dirt. Once they were acquired, it's like, okay, 
there must be something very legit here. They must like, you know, for, for Rigsby to, to sell to flow, like he must've saw something there. So we just stayed in very close contact and, um, it was, it's our relationship with them. And that I think also made this transition very easy for us. And I say this transition, it's still ongoing. Like we're all said and done, it's going to be about a two year transition process, but kind of the bulk of like our, our subscribers and in our events and everything that's all done. So right now it's just a matter of like just figuring out ways like we look back at speed shift and Durandur and we're like okay in what ways were we successful that flow can be doing now so that's kind of the phase that we're at is just getting our teams to mesh um and, and like i said about speed shift being a, a smaller company too it's it was a little bit strange and it does still make me uncomfortable at times um but i just have to remember it's this is for the better um, because we were all running ragged with speed shift, trying to wear so many hats. Like I, you know, I manage our customer service team. I do graphic design, editing. Um, I'd be on camera too. And some of those things like customer service, graphic design, that is completely off my plate now. So I see it. It's like my little children, they've gone, they've been distributed to like other departments in the company. And I'm like, oh, I want to like, have a say in that. And I know that I can, I know I can give feedback and be a part of it, but it's just not my department anymore. So it's been, it's been really weird. And sometimes it kind of hits you and like you get inside your own head and you think it's like, did this get stripped away from me because I'm terrible at it? No, Haley, you're, you're an idiot. Like this was all part of the plan. So, um, it's just been a, it's been emotional, but I think in more good ways than, than bad. Um, but just an ongoing process and overall things going very well. And one thing that's super satisfying to me is like my teammate, Gabby Jaffe, she comes from flow rodeo and it wasn't until like March that she came over to flow racing and just to see someone from completely outside of our sport, never been to a race before, never couldn't tell you the difference between a late model and a sprint car to see her come over. And now she's just like this, you'd think she's this wily veteran of a uh, dirt track racing, just a huge fan. That is really, really cool to see. So I expect to see more of that in flow. Flow racing is one of the fastest growing verticals right now at the company. So it's, um, you know, we were able just to kind of hit the ground running with the acquisition of speed shift, just full steam ahead. And we really can't wait to, uh, to unveil some things that are in store for 2021. It, it, you, you mentioned it there a little bit and I'm, I'm kind of curious about like this kind of idea of legitimacy and it's it's one of the things like working for World Racing Group as I did, you know, we had a, a relationship with with Flow pretty early on, you know, they were putting on Super Dirt Car Series races and that thing and and like, you know, even small things like not knowing the difference between like modified types, right? And it's like, it's something that like if you're in the industry is like, it's like sacrilegious that you don't know the difference, but like obviously people on the outside, they're maybe not going to know the difference. And I'm curious as you've kind of watched the Flow you know, kind of life, you know, journey here in the last four or five years, especially being, you know, you know, the opportunity to maybe be a part of it four or five years ago and to where it is now and, and to have people like you and Rigsby and, you know, all of the dirt on dirt guys and, and, you know, hiring Tyler Burnett now. And, you know, it's like all of a sudden, like all these dirt people are there now. It's like, how has that changed, you know, the, the fan and, and, you know, kind of the dirt racing community's view of flow, do you think? And I think it's, that is something that's so, so, so paramount to me personally. And I know it is for everyone that came over from speed shift and, and all of our team at flow. Like we, I remember back in the day, like seeing things from, I'm not trying to throw flow under the bus here. I'm really proud of how far it's come along, but way back in the day, um, they might've posted a, a photo to their website of a, a modified under like a late model event or something like that. Um, and I can't think of a specific example, but I know super small things like that would happen. And 
um, you know, they've come a long ways. They've, they've become more educated. And, um, you know, I think that you can't be successful in, the, in this industry if you don't have people that are subject matter experts and um, very passionate about this stuff and who take the time to learn it. And that's not to say they didn't, they weren't trying. Um, but uh, I think they've really done a good job of seeking out who these subject matter experts are in, the, in this industry, finding out what it takes to get them on board and build a connection with the audience because uh, racing in general doesn't matter if it's two wheel or dirt track racing or maybe even drag racing. Um, I don't want to say it's clicky, but I think that you have to earn people's respect in this industry for sure. And um, one thing that I'm really proud of what I've been able to do with speed shift. And I, and I think Chet does a phenomenal job of this. Also, it was even better than me is just building a connection with the audience. You know, he is speaking directly to the viewers on the broadcast and he's engaging with them on social media at the same time, talking about tweets on air. Um, and I do, I like to do a bit of the same when I can. And to just to have a viewer, have an audience knows that you, you can connect with them. Um, and you, you respect this, this culture, this racing that they're, that they're so passionate about. I think that goes a very, very long ways. So like you had mentioned, it's really cool to see more and more of that over at Flow. You guys have been doing, you know, we're getting ready for, for Tulsa shootout here in what, uh, 12 days or so. And then Chili Bowl, you know, not too long after that. And you guys did like a whole big tour of shops and things like that. What, how much fun was it to get out and, and see some shops and to talk to some drivers and some crew guys and stuff kind of in advance of those events? Oh, it's been so much fun. Um, you know, it's, it's, I didn't go to, I didn't do much for midget racing this year. Um, in 2019, I worked with Power Eye. And so, you know, I got, got very close with a lot of mid, my midget friends and just haven't seen as much of them this year. I might have at a USAC race if they were, you know, along with the sprint cars or if the sprint cars were, you know, with another, with another series that I was working with. So um, it was, it's just been a reunion. It's been really great to catch up with some of these characters like, um, like Dason personally with Keith Coons. He has come so far since the beginning of 2019 when I first started working, um, working in his space and interviewing him. So it's been really cool to catch up. And um, Tim Clausen's a good buddy of mine. They're all, all good people up there for sure. So it's just nice to connect with them. And I know I've seen Brady Bacon all over the place between the um, non-wing, the wing car and the midget world. So go hang out with him and his wife for a little bit was really cool and explore their shop. And um, I actually went down to Tulsa for a very quick trip. Um, got in Monday, flew home Tuesday night to go shoot some pieces on the building of the track. And that's actually coming out today, I believe. Um, so uh, we have some more pieces kind of like uh, the late model side of flow and dirt on dirt did leading up to Eldora, kind of like mm -hmm. the road to Eldora pieces. We're kind of doing some similar stuff, um, content that'll be coming out throughout the holidays. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've kind of been in this like phase of transitioning from dirt to snow, but this year when my goal was to bring in more dirt to that schedule. So I'm just kind of diving in back to, uh, to dirt events here and there. So it's been a lot of fun to go out and shoot this content. One of my favorite things about Flow is is all of the other things that have, you know, kind of come out of this. It's not just the streaming broadcast. It's all of these other you know, like little documentary style pieces, the all access stuff. When you guys are are talking about content, you know, what are those conversations look like? What is, you know, wh who, who, you know, are you, is it, are they just big brainstorming sessions? Like, you know, what is it, you know, are, are you trying to, you know, you're, you're looking to other sports, other, uh, you know, other entertainment, you know, areas to, to, to find ideas? Like, you know, what does that look like to try to put together those content plans? 
Yeah. So one thing, like I had said, that Flow has is that they have established themselves in other sports. So they'd already been doing films and all access pieces, mic'd up segments, like you name it for other sports for a very long time. And they've actually produced full length, length documentaries for some of these sports. So I know that video content, like it's been around for a long time in our sport, but it just hasn't been done consistently by a, a media company or a series or you know, so that's one thing that flow brings in from their, their other sports is that consistent content. So, um, and the people that control the content are the people like the Tyler Burnett's like myself on the content team, Tim Truex from loud pedal. Um, he's my boss. So, uh, it, it's all these people who are very, very involved in the sport that we've been able to bring on to our team that are just kind of the eyes and the ears of the industry. And they'll say, Oh, I have a really good idea. I want to, um, I personally want to know about track building. So let's go down to Tulsa and shoot this piece. Or I hear so-and-so wants to break this news. So let's, let's go up to his shop, his or her shop and, and shoot this. Um, so, uh, it's just been a really big push within flow and we have some of that content free. Some of it's behind a, a paywall. So it's just kind of finding that, that happy medium of how we get this out there. How do we, um, provide more content, more in-depth, um, an in-depth look at our sport, because especially this year, um, with COVID like fans, their, their eyes and ears on the sport when they can't get to the track are through the camera lenses. So I think now more than ever, it's just been such a big push to put that content out there, whether it's video, a, a write-up or, or just a photo gallery or something to give the people something. And it's been, um, that's something I'm really passionate about is that content side. When you uh, kind of look back at 2020, like, you know, if we kind of take the COVID pandemic stuff out of this, when you look back on the 2020 dirt racing season, like what are things that you're going to remember? What are things that you thought were cool? Like, you know, what are those, what are those good things that you are going to kind of take with you out of 2020? I think it, it forced people to get very creative um, and not only how to put on their events and do it safely, but it forced different series and companies, just everyone within the industry to get creative with how they market themselves. Um, it forced different um, tracks to like try new things with uh, ticket sales and moving things to online. So it, I think all in all industry wide, it really forced us to take things to the next level, things that we were kind of dragging our feet on, but technology wise just forced us out of our comfort zone and a lot of things for the better. And just for example, like, um, you know, you might have a corporate office somewhere that they're going to sell their building because everyone's working remote now and they're saving all that money on, on office space. Like it's, it's those similar things that I think we're all working a little smarter not harder in some areas. So that's one thing I'll remember. And I'm very proud of how, you know, the country was shut down for a while, more or less. We weren't having races for a while. Things went silent, but all in all, um, for the most part, a lot of series were able to put on, oops, I apologize there. No, um, uh, a lot of series were able to put on the same amount of events, if not more than they would the average year. So, and that's not the same for everyone. There are there are different series and tracks out there that very much struggled and we're just hoping that can rebound for them in 2021 and beyond. But, um, I just think that like as a sport, it just maybe forces to the next level in certain areas. Well, I certainly appreciate the time today as we kind of go forward here in the next couple of weeks, months, where, uh, where can we see you? What are you doing? I know you've got the, uh, the snow, the snow cross podcast going on. So like, where are those places that, uh, that we're going to be able to see you? Yeah. So that's actually on my to-do list this weekend is just try to figure out what I'm doing post January 1st, look at Q1. Um, but as of right now, I'm going to be working with Amsoil Championship Snowcross this winter again. Um, our podcast is at snowcross.com and I will be doing also, um, 
sprinkling some dirt events here and there. I think my next dirt event that I'm going to be going to is the Wild Wing Shootout. That'll be on Flow. So I'll be down in Arizona for that. Um, but beyond January, gosh, I don't really know. Um, I might also, when my schedule allows, be diving into maybe some two-wheel racing um, as far as the production side goes on, on camera. So we'll see there, but um, that's kind of what my, uh, my next few weeks look like is snow and dirt. Nice. Well, Haley Shanley, I certainly appreciate the time today and uh, good luck with everything going forward. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Haley for the time and the conversation. She's one you will see on camera regularly, but she's also doing a ton of work behind the scenes to bring race fans really cool content. You can see her right now in several Chili Bowl preview videos and interviews at flowracing.com. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.